0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. Only three more sleeps before Donald Trump takes the oath of office and becomes the leader of the free world. And let me tell you, The free world is nervous. Here at home, our government seems to be preparing seriously. Last week's cabinet shuffle was widely seen as preparation for the Trump era. Just last night, Prime Minister Trudeau was trying to find common ground with the president-elect, saying they were both elected on promises to help the middle class. Sounds like a bit of a stretch to me, I must say. Of course, Canada is mostly worried about trade, but there's also concern about Trump's comments, On NATO, he called it obsolete and there have been rumblings that Canada may have to pay more and contribute more if Trump follows through and withdraws financial and other support from the alliance. Meanwhile, there are reports that our efforts to manage all this will include the appointment of former Lieutenant General Andrew Leslie to a senior role in Canada-U.S. relations with the idea that he's well placed to forge close ties with the former generals in Trump's administration. Andrew Leslie is now a Liberal MP and he joins me now. Hello and thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Libby. It's my pleasure.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, uh, what is your read on the level of anxiety around this transition?
2: Um, I think deep down we all have to stay calm and carry on. Having said that, there have been dramatic changes, uh, not only in the United States, but elsewhere around the world. And I think uh, the Prime Minister and his team are doing uh, careful contingency planning. Uh, due diligence, prudency, to make sure that uh, we get ourselves set up to to be able to cater to whatever may come next.
1: Okay. Now, uh, I think uh, you know some of the people in his administration from your military background, right?
2: Yeah, as is typical of a Canadian soldier with 35 years experience, you spend a great deal of your time overseas and uh, on a whole variety of missions. I've almost grown up with a family of American officers, mainly Army and, to a certain extent, Marine Corps. And uh, you, you forge uh, acquaintanceships, uh, sometimes very close friendships.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you know some of the, the people in his administration? There were, there was a report that, that you know uh, of General Flynn.
2: Well, I've certainly met uh, just about all of them, uh, all those with military experience. Uh, Some of the relationships are stronger than others. Some of them I've just bumped into two, three, four, five or a dozen times in places such as Afghanistan or the former Yugoslavia or elsewhere in the world. Um, And as well, Western soldiers have a great deal in common, especially ties that have been forged, unfortunately, in blood. And uh, I think our soldiers, sailors, airmen and airwomen and special forces have shown um, the value that Canada brings to the table, to any table, uh, in terms of the ability to contribute to international peace and security. So uh, there's opportunity here as well.
1: Okay, so uh, given your experience, do you think that it will be difficult to do business with these people or just fine?
2: I think uh, the ones that uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting over the years are pragmatic they are focused they are extraordinarily well educated um they are uh determined men and women uh they believe just as i do very passionately in in their country um so i I think there is some common ground there on which we can work and develop let's not forget that this is arguably the most important international relation that exists anywhere and it's certainly canada's most important and um we have to pay a great deal of attention to what's going on down south. And I think our prime minister is being very careful and prudent in uh, choosing people for certain responsibilities who have, uh, who have friends, who have contacts, who have uh, common ties.
1: Well, he, he certainly seems to be. I, I will give that to him. Uh, can you confirm that you're going to be having a senior role in that?
2: Uh, yes, I can. I don't think the official press release is out, so well done you. you. Um, But yes, uh, the Prime Minister has asked me to sit on the uh, Cabinet Committee for Canada-U.S. and to help uh, our Minister of Global Affairs uh, lead the team in terms of Canada-U.S. relations.
1: Well, congratulations, and thank you for telling us that. We uh, appreciate that. Uh, So the question is, let's move to some of the things that... Donald Trump has said that that is worrying people. So NATO, he's called it obsolete. He's talked about the amount of money that the Americans put into NATO. What do you make of it and and what are we doing to kind of uh, work around it?
2: Well, that's a common refrain from a great number of senior military officers within the United States. And if you look at it coldly, rationally, the United States has carried the lion's share of the costs of NATO. And I think it's a legitimate series of questions to ask who is paying what, but also who is contributing what. So let me say it again. Canada's contribution to NATO or NATO-related missions, be it to the former Yugoslavia, be it Kosovo, be it Afghanistan, where you had the same team essentially forming the hub around which all the operations uh, were developed, uh, our contributions are literally second to none. And our, our, our men and women in uniform and our diplomats, our assistance experts, and our police forces who did such a great job of training, for example, the Afghan police, we, we certainly pull our weight. And uh, much more so than anybody else, we were out there. We were, we were, unfortunately, sometimes suffering the tragic consequences to our men and women. But we really, really got stuck in, in an admirable fashion, which the Americans will be amongst the very first to tell you.
1: Okay, uh, but... Well, you know, I'm, that is true. But still, if, as you say, they're now, uh, the Americans are giving the lion's share and they withdraw some of that, you know, that money and, and uh, also resources will have to come from somewhere.
2: If- Absolutely. And I'll go back to um, sort of a, a refrain, which is um, we're entering new ground. The president-elect will become the president of the United States on Friday. Shortly after that, Policy discussions will ensue and there'll be a host of experts uh, who and friends uh, might I presume who will be involved in some of these discussions with our uh, American opposite numbers and we'll see where it goes right now it's it's too early to say what specifics might be mainly because I don't know uh,
1: there, there's even been talk that that this could sort of throw our budget into uh, some kind of uncertainty that maybe we have to leave more money for defense. Uh, are, are you seeing that kind of a contingency already?
2: Well, I'd just like to remind Canadians that the government's already announced that we'll be contributing a significant amount of money. The specific dollar is of yet to be defined in the interim purchase of uh, F-18 Super Hornets, which certainly wasn't on the radar a couple of short months ago. So I think that will go a long way towards easing concerns. Uh, Amongst our American colleagues, and uh, there's other big uh, equipment acquisition programs that are in the work and works not the least, which probably one of the biggest in our history and that's shipbuilding so okay. I, you know I think it, I think we 're well positioned to 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 enter into good discussions with our American colleagues uh,
1: okay, um, one of the things that Trump seems to be saying is and one of his critiques of NATO is that NATO doesn 't really fight terrorism, and there has to be more or a different focus on that. Do you agree with that?
2: Well, I'm not going to presume to comment on the president-elect's opinions of other NATO members, but uh, having soldiered with a variety of the key members of his establishment, they will tell you that um, Canada is one of the countries that's an expert on counterinsurgency techniques and tactics. Under my watch, the Army had the privilege of developing counterinsurgency doctrine in conjunction with our U.S. partners. Uh, our troops have fought alongside them. Um, as a matter of fact, we were one of the very few countries in the world under whose command the Americans were willing to entrust several 1000 frontline American combat soldiers. That was under Dave Fraser's command at the height of the war in Afghanistan. So um, I don't think those comments are directed at us in any way, shape, or form.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh in general, uh, he has made comments, you know, most recently about Angela Merkel and the European Union, which could go some degree to supporting far-right constituencies there. He said she's made a huge mistake uh, with her migrant policy. Uh, uh, he's uh, called the EU a uh, uh, German a vehicle mostly for Germany. He's championed Brexit. He's annoyed the Chinese. He's actually infuriated the Chinese. He's unpredictable. How how much do you think that the world is just a more dangerous place because of all these things that he's said?
2: Well, I'll repeat a refrain from my time as a soldier. Um, it's my role to keep calm and carry on. It's my role to help us as a collective. Uh, figure out where we can best position ourselves to help our friends and allies while maintaining, first and foremost, uh, the values and interests that Canadians must have and expect from their government. And by golly, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Uh huh. And uh, do you have any specifics? I mean, just in this kind of environment, uh, do we have to just pay less attention to the tweets, pay more attention to the tweets? How do you proceed?
2: Uh, I proceed by talking to my opposite numbers, and uh, re-establishing those links and uh, figuring out what it is they might wish from us, and the flip side is what we might wish from them, because it is a give and take, and we're a fully sovereign nation, as you know so well. And I spent 35 years protecting our sovereignty and our independence, so I look forward to working with our closest friend and ally. But uh, I'm a Canadian and I'm proud of it.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And have you been in touch with our European allies? Uh, is there some kind of a common strategy?
2: Uh, I must confess, um, the Prime Minister made this decision yesterday, uh, so uh, I have not yet had a chance to reach out to some colleagues uh, of long standing in the united States uh, sorry in uh, Europe and elsewhere, but i'll be doing that. Uh,
1: do you think that uh, there would be value in some kind of common approach, or you know the interests are different of Europe and of Canada, of course?
2: Well, they are slightly different. Uh, we share a lot of the common values, but the interests are obviously nation. Specific and to my mind, Canada comes first. Having said that, we want to work cooperatively with all our friends and allies. Uh-huh. And it's certainly not a question of we against them. Um, but I'm sure there's common interests that will evolve over the next little while, and I look forward to learning what they are.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what I'm getting from you is that, uh, you know, everybody take a, a chill pill, because and, and, we, we see lots of stories that are kind of emphasizing the unpredictability and uncertainty around all of this.
2: Yeah, perhaps it's my training um, of 35-year service where um, uncertainty, as always, tends to sharpen the senses. Um, but uh, it's much better to calmly assess, uh, figure out what the facts are, figure out where possible approaches and strategies might arise to better position your team, in this case Canada, to either help friends and allies or to mitigate potential harm. And uh, we'll see where it all goes. But I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm absolutely convinced the Prime Minister and his team are responding very seriously to, to changing interests in the states. And I think they're positioning uh, people with certain skills, responsibilities, and contacts to better take advantage of those.
1: Okay. That all, all sounds right. uh, very interesting. Uh, uh, I suppose uh, you're not going to the inauguration, are you? Yes, I am. You are?
2: Yeah. I was going anyways because I have, variety of friends down there. But um, yes, I'm going now officially.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And uh, are you going to get to meet him?
2: To be honest, I have no idea. I suspect the answer is no, because uh, he will have probably multiple tens of thousands of people he's got to meet. Uh, But I will be reconnecting with some old friends. and I look forward to it.
1: Okay, well, that sounds interesting. And do you know which of, they all have these different uh, balls. Do you know which one you're going to be attending?
2: No no
1: idea. Okay. Uh, I was going to say general, but I'll say, um, no, MP Andrew Leslie, and now a member of the Committee on Foreign Relations uh, on Canada-U.S. Relations. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us.
2: You're more than welcome, Libby. Thanks.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh we're going to switch gears shortly, but uh let's take at least one call before we do. We've got Connie in Niagara Falls. Hello Connie. Yes, hi Libby. How are you?
3: Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you.
3: That man is so right on with what he says and his knowledge about stuff. It's awesome. Anyways, Donald Trump is very, very unpredictable. Um it's pretty scary when uh, you know, he says one thing and does another. I see his uh, his body language when he's on TV and just, you know, when I talk about Donald Trump to people, they just don't want to hear it. You know, Donald Trump is almost like, we're almost like, he comes across as being a bully. Um, it's almost like having a religion or a cult fighting against each other. We live in a world that's terrible already. Okay, so with Donald Trump being in office, it's almost like, it's like a bonus that we're in for something. Uh, we can't predict. It's, he's very unpredictable. Um, I I I really respect Trudeau, even though he is a young rookie. We have to give him a chance. But Donald Trump is uh, is it's scary. Like it, it's 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 scary. I I feel bad for the younger generation that's growing up in society, um, and it's just. It's scary. I just don't know what to say. What we need to do is pray. <laughs> okay. There are people out there that don't believe in prayers. Um, there there are religions, and then there are cults, okay? Um, I've been bullied by, it. supposedly it's a religion, but it's not. It's a cult, Um
1: well, well, people are worried that Donald Trump is uh, very unpredictable. Uh- yes, he
3: is. He, he he is very unpredictable, and I don't mean to go off topic about about uh, religion and cults and this, that, and the other. But I'm just saying is that uh, he comes across as being a, as being a bully. Um, he he might you know p- pointing the finger and those eyes and that body language. He's just. It's unbelievable. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But I've got a premonition and a gut feeling that he's up to no good. And I feel bad for everybody in the world.
1: Okay, Connie, thank you for that. Thank you very much.
3: God bless, Libby.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.